Worship team, thank you for leading us, Dan, Hannah, just such a beautiful expression of, of simple worship today. I love that, and uh, I love the privilege that we have to, to come into the presence of the Lord together as the family of God. Uh, today, you know, in many ways, the message is very simple. Um, and actually, I should, I should preempt what I'm going to say by saying this. If you didn't get communion elements today yet, you're going to need them at the end of the service. So uh, stand up and make your way to one of the corners here. Uh, we have uh, four tables. There's two cups there. Uh, it has the bread and the, the cup. So go ahead and just do that and uh, make sure that we get you all prepared for the end of the service because we don't want you to, to be missing out on that opportunity. And uh, I actually kind of like the moving around kind of part of the service because it feels like we're we're not just sitting you know we're not just sitting and looking we're moving around if you need to get up and move around in the service anyway just do it you know it's all good you know it's all good right um a couple of things that i want to say as we get started first of all the the theme of our message today is, is very simple jeremiah 31 says in verse 25 for i will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. And so I want us to have an opportunity today to just take God up on his word there. You know, you may have some areas where you say, oh man, I'm, I'm languishing, uh, I'm, I'm wrestling, I'm struggling, whatever. just need uh, a, a, a moment of renewal uh, that we're asking the Lord to meet us today in renewal. And what better place than at the communion table when we come to the end of the service and we're remembering the finished work of Jesus. Like the communion table speaks to my heart that like I already know the extent to which God is committed to this thing. You know what I mean? Because you, you see what Jesus has done for us. He's, he's calling us to remember, my body's been broken, my blood has been shed for the remission of your sins, your restoration, he paid for that. So, so we already know he's committed, so we're asking God to cause us to come hungry. And, and today this theme of renewal is kind of the direction that we want to go. Um, First of all, the, the series we're doing is called Seven Critical Questions right now. We started the year with 40 days of prayer and, and then just started leaning into this idea that what God, the seeds that God sows in prayer, which are many, and many of you have been praying and continue to pray in various directions, we don't know the ways in which God will bring those seeds to life. And much like the flowers that someone actually told me this last week, my daffodils already poked through. And I'm like, that can't, that can't be. You know, it's too, it just seems too early. But those those seeds were, were sown uh, long before. And so the seeds that we sow in prayer, we don't know when God will bring them to light, but in this series, what we're asking God to do is to be, help us to be intentional about preparing the soil of our hearts for the work that God desires to do. So we, we started out the series with two questions talking about our current reality and our desired future. These are questions about vision. We looked at Philippians 1, this process of becoming. We looked at Romans 12, looking at our purpose and the various things that God is calling us to do. The, the next two questions in this series, again, designed to kind of cultivate the soil of your heart, they come in a combo package. And so very simply today, what I'd like to do is talk about what does it mean to steward your time and energy? And I used to kind of think of those as like one and the same things, and I'm, I'm actually very firmly convinced that obviously they're very different, and you steward them very differently because they're different kind of resources that you have. But what does it mean for you to steward your time and energy well? 
And I want to just start with two scriptures, and then we're going to look at sort of a lengthy sort of scriptural example, specifically to talk about this theme of renewal, and what does that mean for us. Okay, so the first scripture is Ephesians chapter 5, and it says in verse 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Okay, Ephesians 5, make the best use of your time. And, and this, this, again, the, the more you dwell on it, the more you begin to think about the non-renewable resource that time is, right? You, you hear, the, you hear the, the message of Scripture coming across, make the best use of this time. So I'm going to share with you just a little bit today a couple of ways that we might align our thinking so that we can make the best use of the time, and maybe more specifically, why we ought to be doing that. And uh, I'm in particular encouraged to speak to people here who are 15, 16, 17, 20, younger people. You've got more time, statistically, but in many ways, it's a, you've got more of a precious resource to steward. So we want to challenge you. How do you do that well? We'll talk a little bit about that. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Which, interesting, I mean, that, that is the effect of time, right? I mean, that's why you've only got a limited amount of it. Outwardly, we are all wasting away to one degree or another. And yet, he says this, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. We're being renewed day by day. And that is really the main thing I'd like to focus on in the context of this message. What does it mean to steward well my time and energy? Specifically, what does it mean to experience the renewal of God on a daily basis? Now, some of you are like, I haven't really thought about this or whatever. There are others, I'm certain, that are saying, I need the renewal of God. You have no idea the level to which I need the renewal of God. Today is a day for you. And this communion service, we trust that the Lord will meet you in a very special way. So let's, let's unpack it a little bit. Stop saying you don't have time. That was a message that I heard years ago. I was at a conference. Andy Stanley was talking, and he was encouraging me uh, to, to stop saying things that I would become quite accustomed to saying. I don't have enough time. How many of you have said that even in this last week or so, right? I just don't have enough time. I got all these things that are vying for my attention, all these responsibilities and the things that I really got to do, and sometimes it's hard to prioritize what needs to be done first, and I just don't always feel like there's enough time to do it all. Some of you, tell, show me that I'm not alone. Tell me you've been there at least once, right? Okay? So now I'm hearing somebody say, well, stop saying you don't have enough time. The issue, back in this conference, Andy Stanley, he said, is not time. We all get the exact amount of time each day. But I think we ought to do well to ponder differently. Am I living in a way that is energizing and life-giving? You see, there's this dynamic interplay between your energy and your time, your, your renewable resource of energy and your non-renewable resource of time that we must understand if we're going to do this well. Are you living in a way, making decisions, and going after tasks that are life-giving and renewing. Now you think about this for a minute, some of you through the eyes of a child, maybe some of you are still close enough to that age that you remember or you've raised a couple of them and so you remember from that perspective. But you ask a child to make their bed and depending on the child, it may seem like you have asked them to build the Great Wall of China. You know, this is just, 
when, uh, I mean, I've been working at this all morning. You know what I mean? I, I'm never going to be able to do this. And uh, there's an element in parenting of coming alongside and you do for them and then you do with them and then you teach them to do for yourself. But depending on the kid, that task might seem like a huge, huge thing. But then you permit that same kid to go and build a fort in the woods and he works for hours and hours and hours until you force the child to stop working on that project and come in and eat dinner, right? I was that, I was that kid. I mean, just hours that I spent. I mean, boundless energy on a project that felt important to my you know, nine-year-old self or 10-year-old self. Some of you remember those days. Some of you are thinking, I haven't done anything that life-giving for some time. I need to get out and build a fort while there's still time. There are some tasks that you do that they take a lot of discipline and, you, and you, you exercise the discipline to do them because they need to be done. There are other tasks that you do because you love them. So I was thinking about this all in this context, in this conference. You know, what does it mean, the renewable and non-renewable? This was probably the first time I really began to think in terms of renewable and non-renewable resources at that level. And I began to appreciate quotes like this one that I keep on my desk reminding me that some resources you can't get back. Billy Graham said this. He said, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. Why did he say that? Because it's a renewable resource, right? It's renewable. When health is lost, something is lost. He said, but when character is lost, all is lost. Like, there's certain things in your life that if you squander it, you cannot get it back. Character is one of those things. It's not the subject of our, of our message today, but there are things that when you squander it, you can't get it back. There are other things, renewable resources, that maybe you didn't handle it very well, but you can get it back. So understanding the difference, I began to appreciate this. Time on this earth is a non-renewable resource. Some of us will live 90 or 100 years. Others of us will only get a fraction of that. But every one of us, here's the interesting thing, every one of us has 24 hours in this day. All of us get 24 hours in the day, and yet none of us know how many days we get. That's kind of the the mystery of stewarding time. And yet we ought to be called to do it well. Time on this earth. I think it's the reason, especially the older I get, the realize, you start to realize time goes faster, doesn't it? I mean, that's, it, just, it just goes more quickly. And, and it does make sense when you think about it because when you're only three years old, a year is a huge kind of representation of your own life up to that point. I mean, it's a third of your life. When you're 100 years old, a year is just another one of the 100 that you've already done. You see what I'm saying? So like, it goes quickly. A day goes quickly. A week goes quickly. Uh, a decade now suddenly feels like, what? Decade kind of went quick. You know what I mean? Has anybody experienced it or has experienced that kind of thing? Job chapter 9. Job says, My days are swifter than a runner. James chapter 4. Your life is a mist that appears for a while and then it vanishes. And you begin to sort of appreciate those things as your kind of time bank decreases. Jonathan Edwards was addressing in his famous sermon the preciousness of time and the importance of redeeming it. And he said among many other very uh, thoughtful things, he said this, the work which we have to do to prepare for eternity must be done in time 
or it can never be done. So you think about, when we, we think about stewarding time, what does it mean to steward our time? Well, it's a non-renewable resource. I only get so much of it. I'm gonna get 24 hours in this day, but I don't know how many days I'm gonna have. Now, all of a sudden, there is a pressure, a, a healthy pressure, that allows me to say, I wanna look at my eternity through the lens of my time or my present. I have a diminishing amount of time to get myself ready for eternity. Does that make sense? And so do you. If you are a young person hearing this message, I'll tell you what, I don't think you need to go home and panic. I think what you do, ought to, what, what we ought to do in the realm of stewarding is ask the question, and probably frequently, if time is a non-renewable resource, is this a good expenditure of it? so that I don't find myself wasting something that is actually very precious. I've also heard people say this, and I've seen this to be true as well. Don't underestimate the way in which God will use your time now to prepare you for great things in the future. You know, that there are people that are my age, old people like me, right? You know, they're saying, you know, if only I had spent more time developing, listening for the voice of God, learning those disciplines, etc., when I was younger. So don't underestimate the power of you using that time well now. We have work which we have to do to prepare for eternity, but it must be done in time or it can never be done. So now in contrast, what does it mean to sort of like restore or uh, renew our energy. I just wanna, I, I wanna lean into this with you today because while redeeming your time, in other words, you have a certain amount of time left on this world, if you redeem that for kingdom purposes, you will do well. Now what does it mean to be renewed daily in the presence of the Lord? You spend energy all the time. You spend energy when you got out of bed. You, got, you spend energy when you got yourself ready for church. You spend energy in worship today, and that was a sweet expenditure of energy because as us lifting our voices together and using our, our muscles and our breath, and we're, we're making a proclamation before the Lord, but that's an expenditure of energy. You're gonna use energy this week in your work, in your study, in your, uh, in your play. Most of us will eat today, and if we do it right, we will renew our energy and our nutrient stores so that we can continue to function well. Most of us will sleep tonight. I hope that you sleep tonight, at least a little bit. And if we do it right, our, our brains will detox and our, our nerve cells will reorganize and our energy stores will be refreshed. Like th th This is this kind of concept of you are in this process of renewing all the time. And if you're living in a healthy and balanced ways, you're actually understanding what it is to be renewed. So what does it mean to be spiritually renewed on a daily basis? To, to illustrate that uh, question or concept, I wanna take us to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I'd like us to spend the majority of the, the rest of our time as we're getting ready for communion in this passage. Which means that either I have just summed up uh, the shortest uh, sermon that I've done all year and now we'll give you a little illustration or I've given the longest preamble to a sermon all year and now we'll really get into it. Uh, however you want to interpret it, doesn't matter to me. Uh, 1 Kings chapter nine highlights the prophet Elijah, which interestingly James references by saying Elijah was a man like us 
But when he prayed, uh, the rain stopped and all of his different things. He, Elijah, one of the most famous prophets of the Old Testament. He was the man of God whose prayers stopped the rain and then restored it. He was the hero of Mount Carmel and the servant of God, of the God who answered by fire. He was a man who would become a central figure in Jewish history. So that if you were a child growing up in, in a Jewish tradition, like this is one of the biggest names that you would know. And he's one of the most central figures in our Old Testament. So we get to 1 Kings chapter 19, and here is what the great man of God is saying. I have had enough, Lord. This is verse 4. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. And you might do well to ask yourself the question, if you know anything about Elijah at all, you know about his heroic victories, you know about all the ways in which God used him, what is going on at this point in time that this guy seems to be completely depleted, completely out of gas? I mean, it is, it is not inconsequential to have the man of God basically saying, I'm throwing in the towel, I am ready, take my life, I'm ready to be done, take me home to be with you, I don't want to live anymore. And then he throws in sort of with despondence. I'm not really any better than my ancestors. I haven't seen, I haven't seen progress. He's, he's wallowing a little bit. He's just, he's, he's out of gas. This is a man in need of renewal. And the thing I love about it is when you read scripture, you actually find a lot of humanity. So when we talk about renewal and you say, well, great people of God, they don't really need that because they're just always in that place. God is on his throne and he's doing miracles for them and their life works out great. They don't get tired or whatever. And yet here we see one of the greatest at the absolute lowest point. So I wanna ask you to embrace that with me. Embrace the humanity of it. And maybe even embrace your role when you've said, God, I think I'm at my end. And some of you at a place even right now of saying, I am in desperate need of renewal but you maybe don't even right know the right words to put to it. So we're gonna help you with that today. So here's Elijah, and he's, he's, he's wallowing. He's a mess. What has happened to our hero? He's the man of God. We've seen God's work in his life. I mean, this is the guy. He had such a swagger only a few paragraphs before, right? This is the, the hero of Mount Carmel. This, he's, he's taunting the priests of Baal. Do you remember the story, right? This is, he's calling the fire of God down, and the fire comes, and, and then he's slaying the priests of Baal. And he, I mean, he's just, here's another context for you. The drought that I was referring to a minute ago, right after this is this, the, this, this uh, uh, passage where they're looking for the cloud. There's a little cloud. Do you remember this? The cloud gets a little bigger, a little bigger. And then he's off to the races, and it says he, he runs faster than the horse and chariot to get back to the city to deliver this news. I mean, read it. It's, it's weird. I would love to have seen this, right? His old Elijah just, pfft. I mean, the guy's like a machine. So what happened? What happened? Well, if you back up just a little bit and you read the beginning of 1 Kings 19, it says, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Ah, a clue, right? 
It is, it is very instructive to us that the greatest leaders in God's economy and those that do incredible and miraculous things by His hand are not, in fact, immune to the effects of fear. That should be instructive to us. Fear is really the great energy robber. So I would just ask you to note that as we think about this uh, extended example. Fear is an energy robber. The spirit of fear, and God's word says specifically, you are not given a spirit of fear, right? You're not given a spirit of fear, but if you are going to be serious about following hard after Christ, you will need to contend with a spirit of fear. This is a very controlling spirit, and it is a spiritual battle that you're facing when you're facing fear. And, and the fear can show up in any number of ways. It might be that you get news that you didn't expect. It might find that there's certain thing coming against you that you didn't know was going to be there. It might be uh, that you got news, that uh, a health issue or whatever, and now you've got an uncertain future, and the fear comes in, and all of a sudden what felt very confident, maybe even moments ago, you start to feel drained of that energy or that confidence. Elijah became overwhelmed by fear and we see him now with an absolute loss of confidence so he, he runs for his life he gets to this place he's tired he's he, and all this kind of stuff he's starting to get drained and now he just prays to the lord lord just take my life i'm no better than my ancestors he lays down he falls asleep so he literally the great courageous man of god is now <laughs> sleeping under a, a bush in hiding and in fear I want you to see what happens. So if you note that fear is a great energy robber, I want you to see what happens over these next few verses. A lot in this 1 Kings 19. It says, all at once an angel touched him. This is verse 9. Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. So angelic meals are being served to him. That's, that's good. That's interesting. And so he gets up, and he eats it, and then he goes back to sleep. He's out again. And then it happens again. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Just hear these words. Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. And then he's strengthened by the food and he begins to travel. He travels for 40 days and nights. He reaches Horeb, the mountain of God, and he goes into to a cave there. But I just want you to see this for a minute. So, so here's this angelic visit, not once but twice, coming to say, I made food for you, you need to get up and you need to eat it. And I ask myself the question, because I'm you know, pragmatic in the way that God deals with people and everything else. God's a miraculous God. We just saw God doing miracles. God could have just given him some kind of holy vitamin zap, right? I mean, he'd just been like, all right, you're, you were tired and depressed and upset, and boom, you feel better now. But he didn't. He sent him bread. And he said, now get up and eat it. And drink the water. You, you, need to, you need to actually engage with this sort of replenishing process. So I just find that sort of interesting. And, and, and I, this strikes me, not only that fear is a great energy robber, but then the second one is this, that it takes great humility to acknowledge your depleted reserves, right? 
Because I don't know, maybe you've never been there, you don't get discouraged, you're never in a place where you feel depleted or out of gas or whatever, but usually when I'm in that place, my initial reaction to the invitation to engage is to say, like, oh, I'm, I'm good, whatever. Just roll me over, I'm done, you know? And yet here we have twice the voice of the Lord coming through this angel saying, get up. You gotta get up. You gotta move. You're gonna, it's part of your restoration process. So he does that. Okay, so we see this, and it takes great humility to acknowledge our depleted reserves. I think to engage this way is to essentially say, yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm thirsty. Yeah, I'm tired. So Elijah has to do this. Then we see, uh, again, just a beautiful and poetic exchange here, very famous throughout Jewish history. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 and following, it says, then the Lord said, he's now in this cave in Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, it says, it says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Okay, now your heart and my heart, when we are depleted, and we're out of gas, and we're out of energy, we're out of strength, we're, we're getting whiny, and all of this kind of stuff. Like, really what we need at that moment, more than anything, is the presence of the Lord. And yet a lot of times, in our depleted state, we're not sure how to even discern the presence of the Lord. Because spiritual fatigue is a real thing. You know, spiritual weariness, and the need for spiritual restoration is a, is a real thing. So he gets this kind of heads up. The, vo- the Lord is about to pass by. You need to be out and be ready for it. You need to be positioning yourself in a place where you can hear the voice of God. So Elijah does this. And then it says, a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain, tore the mountain apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Remember this passage? After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The gentle whisper of the Spirit. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now let's not pass over that as well, right? You know, I think, I think one of the things we see all throughout Scripture is God is asking that of people sort of a lot, you know? Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you, right? It's like God lost his people a lot. <laughs> he wasn't sure. He must have just lost, even though he's omniscient, omnipresent, and all that kind of stuff, he's just losing track of them, right? No. God is giving opportunities again and again and again. He gives you an opportunity even today to take assessment of where you actually are because it's kind of the only way you get realigned to the heart of the Lord, is that you have to kind of know where you are, where you've gone. And so he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? You know, what are you doing? Well, funny you should ask, right? So he has to begin to think about this. But there's, there's two things that are happening sort of simultaneously. I want to look at both of them. The first is that we see here that renewal requires a connection to the voice of God. Renewal requires a connection to the voice of God. Like when we gather together and sing and pray and preach and do this stuff, like we're not doing this because we think we sing so well or we just have nothing better to do or we think I've got something so good to say. We're listening for the voice of God. That God is in fact speaking to us 
and sometimes we have the capacity and the attention to hear it. But renewal comes and requires a connection with the voice of God. That's one thing happening at the same time. But then look at, at, at Elijah's response and you'll see the other one. Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to the death and the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And he is right about some of that. And he is wrong about some of that. You see, Elijah is convinced he's the last one. He's it. And of course you feel bad and overwhelmed and depleted when you're convinced that you're the only hope left. And yet what he's about to find out in just a couple moments, God says, I've got thousands of prophets and, and, and priests that you don't even know about that have not bowed their knees to, to Baal. I've got, I've got resources that you don't even realize about. And so you're only partially right in your self-assessment. And that is critical as well. We need to acknowledge our limited perspective. If you are in a place today where you would say, I'm depleted, I'm worn out, I'm frustrated, I'm despondent, I don't really want to be here, I don't want to deal with this, etc., etc. I've been there, I know what you're talking about. But you have a limited perspective on your situation. You don't see it all. I don't see it all. Elijah didn't see it all. And yet he was here, he is confident in the face of the Lord saying, yeah, I'm the only one. They're gonna kill me too. I'm the only one left. And God goes on to say, I've got resources that you know nothing about. Thousands more. So we acknowledge a limited perspective. So now I, I wanna kind of put this just together for you. Like, what, what can we learn here? Because I asked the question in the beginning, what does it mean to be renewed? You know, what does it mean to be renewed? Some of us would say, I'm in a place where I need to be renewed. What, how do I do that? Well, this is what I think we've kind of put together today. Number one, we got it on the slide here for you. Number one, go ahead and acknowledge the things that you're afraid of. You know, acknowledging fear. Fear is an energy robber. Fear is a controlling spirit. So when I say I'm afraid that if I do this or go here, then somebody might think differently, da-da-da, people might resist this, da-da-da. That's all fear, Right? So when I acknowledge, God, I'm dealing with fear. And I'm gonna ask you to renew me by helping me move past my tendency to fear. The second one is acknowledging depleted reserves, right? I don't have it all together. It takes humility to do this, right? When you, when you come before the Lord and you actually acknowledge, the crazy thing is he actually knows this, right? He's not, he's not shocked by it when you say, like, God, I don't know if I have what it takes. And he says, like, right. I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to say to you. Do you ever have that argument with people where you're like both making the same point but somehow you're fighting? You ever do that? It's so frustrating. It's like, no, that's not, no, what you're yelling at me, that's what I'm saying to you too, right? I think God says that, right? You don't have what it takes, right? So acknowledging, coming to agreement with God, I don't have it in me. And then we find this beautiful, beautiful picture that God's powers made perfect in our weakness not in the places that were already strong. So that's you know, acknowledging depleted reserves. Number three is acknowledging a limited perspective. And, and I would add to that in parenthetically and refusing to whine, right? Because it's easy when we're in this depleted place, God, it's just people don't understand and you don't understand and da, da, da. And a lot of times God's saying, you don't fully understand. So if we wanna be renewed, sometimes we just come to the Lord and say, God, I don't fully understand. 
I don't have the full picture, so I'm acknowledging my limited perspective. I'm refusing to simply default to my whiny state. And then receive the still small voice of the Spirit. God, what are you saying over this circumstance? What are you saying here? What is God saying? Have I stopped to listen? Do I care to listen? Am I afraid of what he might say if I do? You see, these are kind of critical questions that so, they're so simple in a lot of ways, and yet I wonder sometimes in a depleted state if we have the wherewithal to remember. And then finally, receive a new beginning. And I'm saying that because what happened in Elijah's life is not only that he heard the voice of the Lord and there's this restoration, but God was like, I've actually, I'm doing a new thing here, and this is where we get into the calling of Elisha and all of those different pieces that we're not gonna go into today, but there was a new beginning that needed to be received. I wonder if those few things would be renewing to your spirit today. I'd like us to do sort of two things in preparation for communion and then in response to communion. Okay, so in preparation for communion, I wanna ask us to simply make a corporate statement. I wanna acknowledge corporately, Lord, we need you to renew us, right? Something very beautiful about being able to do that. So we put together just a little prayer and uh, you can get your communion elements ready. You don't need them just yet. But we're going to go to that in just a minute. I'm going to ask Amy to come join me up here and help lead us just through a, a, a prayer together in which we can say in agreement, Lord, here we are. As a church, would you do a renewing work in us? So I think what I'm going to have you do is stand. We're just going to put some words on the screen. We'll read a little bit to you, and then we'll, we'll have you uh, read responsively. But I wonder if we might hear the voice of the Spirit as we're going through this prayer time together. And so we're gonna do as Jesus instructed us to do. We're getting ready for the communion table and we are remembering. So in light of today's message, we believe that he would call us to a time of renewal. So this corporate prayer is one that we might do and so I'm gonna ask you just to follow the prompts that will be on the screen. So I'll begin. Jesus, we acknowledge our tendency to fear. And yet we know that a spirit of fear is not from you. So congregation, let's say it together. We remember your perfect love that casts out fear. Jesus, we acknowledge our depleted reserves and we come to you to be our helper and sustainer. We remember your strength being made perfect in our weakness. Jesus, we acknowledge our limited perspective. And so in humility, we pray to you. Let's pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we acknowledge that our lives are busy and there are many voices competing for our attention. We welcome your still small voice and we are grateful that you would trust us with the gentle whispers of your Holy Spirit. And finally, Jesus, we receive a new beginning from you today. Renew us in Jesus' name as we remember you. 
And all God's people said, amen.